Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, road and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. There's foundational human principles. There's systems that are built around it to actually make sure it's embedded into every aspect of the operation, not just the culture, but the actual operating of the business. And it feeds into your marketing. It feeds into your finance. It feeds into how you do your purchasing. It feeds into how you deliver your guest or your customer experience. And that's what blew our mind. If you don't action on the insight you have, it's worth nothing. So if you want to become like them, you need to start operating on them. But start small and little by little come. This week's conversation will be slightly different than normal. Due to I will not be interviewing anyone, but Spotlight will be on myself and my amazing co-author, Nicole Antonio Gatson from Banana Pepper HR. And will be hosted by the great John Porter of Shield Porter Communication. In September, we released together with Bissimply a white paper called the six tenants of agile hospitality. Six tenants every leader needs to survive and thrive in a new era of hospitality. And that's why the spotlight is on us today. And this white paper took us more than 12 months of research and writing, plus the team's combined experience before it all came nicely together. And we've been hugely appreciated for the great feedback that people has been giving us since the launch a couple of weeks ago. And we're hugely honored that people have shared this wide around the globe, also written us some very nice messages. This is what Mike said after reading it. I just finished reading your white paper. I loved it, as you would have expected. It's full of astute observation and some very hands-on advice. My favorite section is the one about freedom to operate. I want to talk to you about that at some point. And yes, Mike, we still need to have that conversation. But before you tune in, please download your free copy of the white paper and let me know what you learned about making your team and business better. Thank you to BizSimply for supporting this project and let's get started. I'm John Porter. I'm a very experienced, almost veteran um, hospitality and retail journalist. I'm joined here this afternoon by Michael Tingsager of Hospitality Mavericks and by Nicole Antonio Godson, founder of MD of Banana Pepper HR. And we're here this afternoon to talk about the new report, The Six Tenets of Agile Hospitality, which has been produced by Hospitality Mavericks in association with Bizimply. But basically, if we um, get started, so the new report builds on the findings of reports um, a year ago at a time when the hospitality sector was really still dealing with the immediate aftermath of the pandemic and when the scale of both the recruitment challenge and the response that was going to be needed from hospitality operators was really just starting to become apparent. Obviously, a year on, um, the recruitment challenge is still with us. But um, as we've seen by the economic headwinds of the past weeks and days, there are other things hospitality also has to deal with. 
So if I could start perhaps by asking Michael, uh, what do you think are the most significant changes in the year since the previous report? And thank you, John. Thank you for, for the nice welcome. Um, yeah, but you're, you're right. There's a lot going on in the world. And uh, we have to recognise there has probably been one or multiple black swan effects over the last 12 months. Who would have recognised it? You know, there will be war, you know, and predict that, you know, inflation as we see it, you know, the level and depth of the staffing crisis across the industry, energy uh, crisis strikes and massive changes in consumer behaviors happen little by little. And um, yeah, and we probably not because I want to, you know, make the world worse than this. We probably haven't seen the last. So it's actually been, you know, really tough and going to be very tough to run a hospitality business in the, in the world we are operating in now. And that's also interesting in a way when things become challenging. What we looked at last year and also looked at this year is that there is actually some forward thinking operators and leaders out there that actually see this as a, an opportunity. They, they acknowledge this is tough, this is hard, this is going to be a difficult time, but they also see how can we actually you know, leverage these systemic shifts that's happening in society and hospitality in general and actually you know, build a business that can thrive and survive in that. And what is really interesting when we start looking closer to these businesses is that you see they already been doing the work. They already made themselves ready to whatever hit them. They were already what we call an agile hospitality business. And thereby they see, you know, no matter what obstacle they face, they find a way around it. And I find that very, very interesting. And that's some of the insights we, you know, that some of the things that has happened, we can see in the, in the bigger picture of the world. But I think when we started doing this research for the second report, we started seeing this become even more evident that the obstacle is the way, in a way. Okay. And perhaps you can tell us what, according to your research, is driving these agile hospitality businesses? What makes them different? What makes them agile? Um, so I'm probably going to be a bit of an elaborated answer to that. And John, I'm probably, you have to stay with me here um, because there's like three key phases to, to the insight Nicole and I have had to this. It didn't start like writing this report. It started probably when we started our career, the ways we wanted to do things. And then we found out there were some businesses that has a different way. And uh, since 2017, we've been really interested in finding out what are these businesses and been really obsessed with this mission understanding what are these businesses doing that's so different from others and how do actually they become a great business on results but also how to actually become a force of good in the world and we started uh, writing our first article piece on this and that's when you start writing something or record or interview yeah. you start actually trying to understand it on a different level it was 2017 we wrote an article it was called what in the world is shaking up the hospitality industry and we were trying to find out what these as i also write in this report what these mavericks know but more importantly what they do they're so different followers and we found out that these leaders they actually dare to be different they're there to stand out from the pack and they build a commercial viable business that was the standard but under the the engine hub, if you will say like that, of these businesses, there was much more going on. They were almost having this like counterintuitive behavior. They were doing something very different from other people who run a cookie cutter business and a way of doing things in hospitality. So the main learning in this first 
part of the journey was actually there was businesses out there that was able to make a successful business, but also make a positive impact on people, society, and the, the planet. That led us to lots of others, the podcast interviews, elaborated over the years. There's been many great guests on. And then last year, we did the report you mentioned in the beginning, from fragile to agile, how great hospitality leaders are letting go of past success to achieve external results. We learned there when they hit with difficulties, they're very quick, these organizations and leaders, to unlearn and relearn to actually get through the havoc of the, the pandemic. That took us on another years of looking into because what came really interesting and what was requested from after we did last year research was actually what is actually the key thing that drive these people and trying to get understanding of this. And actually, as we've been writing this second report, we can see there's like two, you can call them principles, themes of what you want coming through that drives this and actually, you know, coming, we're coming to the six tenants in the moment. Actually, a baseline for these two tenants to happen is their approach to people. That's one of the things, and that's a people-first approach. Nobody that knows hospitality, Maverick, and what we're about wouldn't be surprised about that. But what's really interesting was their approach and mindset around how they use technology to make a more human business. So technology is actually helping making the best out of the human. So how can I actually use technology to do the heavy lifting? So these are the two things in our work and what we can see up to now, and that maybe we elaborate as we move forward with this, looking into this uh, different businesses and examples, as you can find in the report, that we found out they do other things. But these are the two drivers that feeds the hospitality business. I think other people have said that in the last year or so, that now it's all about people and technology. Okay, that's great. And Nicole, if I can move on to you, but obviously your role mm-hmm. puts you right at, at the kind of front line of digging yeah. with the, the way that um, hospitality employers are approaching their, their, their people. I mean, Looking at one of the stats from the report, uh, the number of operators with a formal people strategy has only increased marginally. It's 28% last year to 33% this year. So what do you think is holding businesses back from addressing these more these issues, given that that's probably one of the most significant challenges? Okay, so thank you very much for having me. I, first off, let's, it's, we're going to say a great thank you that there is even a marginal increase. Um, let's not waste a pandemic, I think is, the, is what we need to focus on. Sadly, though, there is this um, reluctance. And the bottom line is, and this is the work that we've done, and I'm sure those of you that who are on the call who will listen to this later on, you know, there is something about the people aspect of the business, of any business, particularly in hospitality, that it, it's just hard. And as human beings, people run away from what is hard. So often, and particularly in times of crisis, and we've seen it like really amplified throughout the pandemic. You know, when everything was seemingly going like crazy, everything that was sure, the successes of the past were just, you couldn't rely on that anymore. But still what our leaders and operators were doing were relying on the old, the tried and the tested. So they relied on, they were checking on the numbers. They were looking at the, um, the, the you know, the bottom line. They were looking at the supply chain is where can we make cuts there? They were then re-looking at their marketing. Can we trim there? But what was missed because it's hard and, you know, as a leader, you were going through it as well you know, much less your team, running away from the people part. Back to the word that Michael used just as he is teeing us up, counterintuitive. And what was missing is our leader, more of our our leaders not taking that counterintuitive approach, which is your gold, your success is actually in your people. Um, And, you know, because it's hard, many shy away from it. 
but you're missing an opportunity which will not only make your business survive, but also thrive. And that build in that agility to be able to, to, to weather the storm. It's not your, it's not your PL. Yeah. It's not your, um, you know, your marketing plan. It's actually your people, you know, and your culture being agile that you're able to weather the storm. So what we're finding right now is again, our leaders, but again, you said the reluctance, particularly in the hospitality industry, I specialize in more the hotel side of things, um, you know, and resorts in luxury um, areas. But often you've seen, and you guys have all seen it, huge, huge advances in sustainability, in organic produce, in how we can recycle, um, in the physical plant, in how you operate your suppliers. But that thinking, sadly, has not translated into how can we make our people more agile, sustainable. That's what's holding it back because it's hard, but that's where the gold is. Sure. And as you say, sometimes it's easy to focus on on, on what feel like easier wins and the people which yeah. can be a challenge. But from your yeah. perspective, what 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 why did you um, want to write this white paper with Michael? What did you think was was needed? Well, let's be honest. First off, it was purely selfish to start off with. It wasn't a grocery. We were just curious ourselves. We just wanted to find out what is, we, you know, we started a conversation, as Michael said, many years ago, but we started seeing from the client work that we did on our own businesses and just speaking with others in the community, we're like, something odd, something different is happening here. So really what started was kind of our curiosity. And then as we started to learn more, and then for us, it was also where finding a, in a way, an own community, hence Hospitality Mavericks came up. Who are the people? Where are they? How can we connect others that are wanting to do things differently or have found the secret code, the way of doing things differently and make and creating phenomenal businesses that are thriving, that are making money, that are bringing in revenue? It's not all woo-woo, but actually are making businesses out of it. So the curiosity started it. And then we realized, you know, pandemic hit. Well, first off, and my side of the world, the hurricane, climate change, all these things were like, these things that seem so distant, but all of a sudden they're coming in thick and fast and actually creating what is this, I don't know, this crossroads moment, this mm. watershed moment, this interesting point that, you know, hospitality already had its creaks and its cracks, but this has just blown it up even more. And we're at a point now, we're like this crossroads and we have a choice. We either write a new story for hospitality or we're going to be just, you know, we're going to be rolled over. We're going to, it's going to, it's not going to be a pandemic. It's going to be the net effect of these kinds of things happening. So then came for us, it was like, we couldn't stand by and do, just not do anything and just be another talking shop. We're like, how can we share what we learned? And that's what we've been doing in different ways. And, you know, thanks to the support of Visimply for this report and everything else like that. And the podcast, that you know, Michael heads up. How can we share this? And now we're taking it a step further as we decode it. We're sharing that with individuals for you to take a piece of that and inject that into your own business. This is not cookie cutter. This is the raw ingredients so you can create your own business that can survive and thrive. We want more of these. We love the hospitality industry. We're crazy folk. You know, we're mad to do this thing, but we want to be able to do this successfully. <laughs> 
that's brilliant and you know really inspiring but michael from your perspective really the same question what what are the problems that you want to try and solve with this report we're a year on from the first one the from fragile to agile report i, th- I think uh, echo what nicole says it's like that how this is in the i think jeremy towers the famous chef said it when he was on my show as well like this is like an, a unique in during the pandemic he said this is the this going to be the moment where hospitality can redefine itself here's a guy that builds stars and so on the top end of hospitality that actually had looked at the industry and said there was some change need so and we're all talking about you know directly or indirectly in the industry how do we actually tell a different story and i think to do that you know, we really need to try to solve some of the problem. And there's a lot of noise as well as leaders. There's a lot of information you need to take on. So what we were trying to do, we could have probably have written a report when I said to Finola, the team would be simple. We could probably have written a report 100 pages. It, it became long enough in itself now. There's so much to go into here, but actually we need to help them signal the noise away from the signal. So what is exactly the key things you need to focus on? What are the critical challenges you need to focus on right now? And what do you need to get in place for that? And also going from Ben Nicole said, it's about you have to find that own recipe, but then also you have to go from, when I've met a lot of people that says, I would love to do what Singerman said, I would love to do what Ansborough with it, but they're guessing what they're doing. They're not really getting under the skin of it and actually understanding what it is that I need to do to build a business like theirs, not their business, but my own business. Most people that really want this understand it's all about writing your own recipe or algorithm, if you will call that. And then I think it was also to introduce some concept that people could understand, communicate and share with their team so they can start this process. And that's what the six tenants is all about. It become, we hope by creating these concepts, and tenants, as we call them, rather call them tenants, the concepts, we hope that they can help the fundamentals to actually build these more human-connected businesses that you know we're all hungering for. Because we know when we get that right, everybody says, people first, then customer will be happy. Then they will come back to customers, and then the shareholders is happy, and then we have a happy business. So we all know this, but we, we, we are still guessing and can't find and figure out the way. And that's why, as Nicole said, then we don't do the hard thing, and we revert back to what we know sure and um perhaps nicole i mean the six tenants as as the, you know, the principles as michael defines them, they're not necessarily um something new i mean we, we could they're obviously they're all there in detail in the report for people to see but it's things about empowering people about you know investing in your people so why is this a particular challenge now what, what what are the particular um issues that businesses are facing that this report will help them to at least start to think about you're so right. It's not new. And like so many, um, so many things out there, you know, we always seek the novel and the new and the kind of the silver bullet that's going to be the thing that cures everything or drink this potion like, you know, Alice in Wonderland. And it's like, hey, no, it isn't new. But what is new? And it's the thing we all know this. And whether you're running a business or not, or just as a human being, you know, these things of, you know, clarity of purpose, um, of, you know, of growth of, as you say, of, of, of empowerment, of freedom to operate. These are human, very, very human things that, you know, we all in different degrees actually want. The difference where the kind of, why this is not, it's how it's put together. And I think that is the key thing is first that understanding the fundamentals and, you know, we'll go, you know, and in the, it's, it's in the report, there's a certain, or, there's a first order 
of, of foundation principles of purpose. Then it's how you put it together, but not only how you put it together, it's not the kind of, oh, we're just going to have a little retreat and talk about it, you know, as leaders, and then it's forgotten, or it's, it's written in the lovely strategic plan, and it's never seen light of day again, you know, then it's what we have observed, and actually through the research, we've seen how these maverick leaders that, again, and I have to keep saying, they're not just creating organic uh, coffee and not doing anything else. They're making and creating businesses that are ridiculously successful and profitable. They have s- built systems around, absolutely need to keep an eye on your PL. You absolutely have to have a strategic plan. You absolutely, all these things, but they have built systems around these things of making them actually real. And they do not refer to their, their, their people, and that includes their employees, their suppliers, their casual workers maybe, or the community. They never refer to them as things like human assets or capital. None of this stuff. Mm. They're human beings. So that is, it's how it's put together is that it's, there's foundational human principles. There's systems that are built around it to actually make sure it's embedded into every aspect of the operation, not just the culture, but the actual operating of the business and it feeds into your marketing, it feeds into your finance, it feeds into how you, you do your purchasing, it feeds into how you deliver your guest or your customer experience. And that's what blew our mind, that they yeah. actually systemized it. And that's what we're kind of, ooh, let's document that. The fact that you can have systems that key into all those, because it is perhaps you know, yeah. the, the people systems, the workforce systems are perhaps sometimes being neglected um, by, by um, yeah. businesses of all sides, but certainly within hospitality and retail. But uh, Michael, um, one of the um, things the report does, it puts clarity of purpose and direction as the foundational tenet for agile leaders as you identify them. So why is that so important if we start off with that one? Um, it, it, that's where everything starts and ends because I would say, and this is what we've seen when we looked across the 36 leaders, we really went deep with and actually I've been looking at a couple of others where I was preparing for, for some interviews and that's where they all start at some level. doesn't mean they sit down before the business start and write out, here's the big vision, here's the big vision. But exactly, they, it, it's like an evolution that is happening. And in the report, we are mentioning this excellent example from Singerman. And they are super great of this, you know, absolutely clarity of purpose and vision. But they didn't start out like that 40 years ago. That's been a journey. Mm-hmm. And they've all been on this journey. But I actually wanted to highlight another story an interview I did with a guy called David Dressler, who is the co-founder of Tender Greens in the U.S. It's a restaurant chain in on, on, in the, on the west side in California. And that they actually, as three founders, sat down from the outset and says, if we want to build a successful business that has positive mm-hmm. impact for everyone that's involved, and that means also financial gains, we can't say we will do this in three years, we have 30 restaurants. No, we actually need to sit down and actually start writing out a vision for how the business could look in 10 years. It doesn't mean that everything in that vision we stay sat down and write came to fruition, but it actually gave them absolutely clarity and they just kept on working on that clarity, what they call the 10-year plan, as the journey involved. And that's what is really interesting at these people. And they use that purpose, vision, and clarity of the direction all the way through the business. And thereby, they're able to, as Nicole says, build system around it because they are absolutely clear about what they want to achieve. What is the ultimate 
goal of us building this business is not just to make money. It's making sure that people can afford to have food in the local community would have access to this, that we actually create business people instead of just employees. There's so many layers of the purpose often when you start looking into these businesses. And I think what was really interesting when you saw um, David Dressler and, and if, you, if you guys read his book or listen to the interview, he tells in the end, the 10-year plan of different routes came to flourishing in the end. There was 30 restaurants. We were giving back to the community. We were, da, 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 da. but we wouldn't have done that if we didn't set that as an intent and we didn't do that from the outset. I know some of the others have had these intent further down the journey. Ari from Singermans and Paul Sarkano mm. also had, they went four years into the business before they started talking about these things. But these things make it easier because you can easier communicate with your stakeholders what your 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 plan is and what you want to achieve. Therefore, people can get around it and you can get the people as you're onboarding more people to help to build your business and scale your business where the systems come in, actually having like a touch point of what is it that this system needs to do for us to achieve our purpose. So everything from purpose, vision, mission, values, beliefs derive through the systems. And it's interesting how they've had this, you know, I call it the out of business and been able to implement that into commercial sense. So again, one of the other tenets is growth. You know, if you are very clear about what is enough, when is your business not doing good for you anymore? What growth is healthy? And many of them found out that they need growth to develop their people on the way. So they're not negative against growth. They just see growth as a very different thing than just the shareholders win. Growth has to be the benefit of everyone. Um, so yeah, I think if you don't have that clarity and you're sitting and listening to this, you should go and read that chapter and just that chapter, listen to the interviews with David and Ari uh, to start off with. And you have a very good start about understanding why this purpose vision is not a retreating, as Nicole said. It is actually something you need to consistently develop. And you will find out that it takes Singermans about two years to write a 10-year vision with their team. So they start in the leadership team and then they go out and asset test that vision statement. So they had like four big vision statement, a 10-year vision for the business. And funny enough, it's either come to fruition or better uh, again. But they also kept that, kept coming back to that. That was our intent. We're not going to change that. Okay, great. Can, um, I, I'd like to, oh, can I add in a point to that? Because I think course, I want to, Michael and I, there's, there's a secret source element that Michael and I add on to that, that we found as we were just diving into these mavericks. And to the point that your question you raised, you asked before, it's, you know, um, there's no different. Well, we've all heard about purpose. We've had purpose, purpose, purpose is, you know, we, if you look in our report, we've written clarity of purpose and direction. And as Michael just said, the purpose, we all know, we've all read the book. It is about that, you know, your higher calling, what is the big picture, your North Star and all that. The interesting part is the direction piece. And this is where the flexibility came in. So yes, everyone's like, oh, I've heard a purpose before. Pay attention to the other part of that, which is yes, that NOSA is fixed. As Michael said, it's a 10 year. It is absolutely fixed exactly what they want to achieve and how they want to be. Flex and the flexibility and agility because they, you know, we're all getting hit, you know, pandemic, hurricane, you know, wars, supply chain. You know, staffing crisis. Mm. But the, the aspect of it that is really key that we were like, whoa, was that direction, that plan part that was super flex, that was so agile and had resilience and everything built in that that's why they're just, they're just, 
they can just, they're bouncing. They're bouncing back and bouncing forward. So pay attention to that part. That's what blew our minds. Let's have a look at the other side of the coin. You've just talked about the report has some fantastic interviews with some great operators, as does the, you know, the Hospitality Mavericks podcast itself. But um, what about the leaders that are perhaps slowing down, that are facing the headwinds the industry faces and are finding it very difficult at the moment, or are finding that, you know, that, that perhaps what they're doing isn't necessarily um, bringing their business forward the way they want it? What, um, what mistakes are you seeing? What are the most common mistakes that you both see? Perhaps, Michael, if you go first. Well, I think there's a, I think I talked about it before, and I am guilty of this myself as well, because when you get caught out on the black swan, comes and surprise you, uh, because nobody can predict black swans, and that's the, the interest. I think that's what's happening again, is one after the other, one after the other. So, of course, again, you have to have that foundation, Nicole, about flexibility in your organization, or else it's going to hurt a lot you can't change quickly or you can adapt with your, your team. But I think actually if you take the individual leader and what we as business leader, including myself, and I'm not pointing finger here exactly, sometimes we get caught up by the being busy doing. And we love that because then they feel we're doing something. But actually one of the hardest thing, even in your own business, is step out. I just had a, an experience with it last week where somebody pulled me out of business and said, Michael, you're actually thinking about the value proposition right here. And actually just getting out of your business actually, and thinking strategically about the value proposition, whatever it is, your people strategy, and actually spending time on that instead of just doing, we get busy putting out fires, but we need when the, the, the pressure is highest, that's where we need to step back to be able to see the big picture and the potential opportunities within the obstacles. I think that's one thing. And then I think I think it's still, we, we struggle as leaders. We would like to be in control. We would like to control the outcome. And we're not accepting that the world has changed permanently and will continue. And, and the speed of it just goes faster and faster and faster. I think we talked about that 25 years ago when I went to business school. And I have only seen that accelerate in you know, 10x every year. Um, and, uh, and then also, I think what Nicole touches about as well, what these companies do really, really well if they get the best out of their people, they maximize their people's abilities to become the best person they can be in the setting then. And I think we sometimes get focusing on they are more resourced and we actually can actually get the best out of them and actually use that as a, a key force in you know navigating this, you know, this storm that just continues giving. You know? So I think that's that's where that's where like you know typical mistakes we do as hospitality leaders because we get caught up in being busy instead of thinking out of the box and actually using our people and also just live with the changes here and obstacle after obstacle is going to come. Sure. And, and I mean, Nicole, you must, as you try and match candidates with businesses, get a feel very quickly for which businesses you, know, you, you're, you are doing it right and which ones you're perhaps um, yeah. you're more reluctant to, to be putting the best candidates forward to. Yeah, and exactly that. And and it's, you know, first off, it's um it starts off with you, you ask something very important is like, you know, there are others, it's like, what can I do? You know, and I think the first thing we we you know hold up our hands and we accept. You can't suddenly do wholesale, I'm suddenly gonna wake up and be agile and create this maverick business. No, we understand that. The only way that can happen is if you are in a startup situation or an opening and you get that golden chance when it's like a clean slate. Mm. So what we're saying to your point, it is your, you know, your people. Bear with me here. So, oh gosh, our people. 
your people absolutely are your before your point of difference and your point of survival and your point of thriving. We can all copy. It's so easy to copy concept. It's so easy to copy your service style. It's so, it's so easy to copy so many things in any business, whether it's a pub, whether it's a boutique hotel, whether it's a bistro, it, it can easily copy. What cannot be copied is if you hire, as you said, the best and the right people for you. And back to the points of it's being absolutely clear, not just in your purpose, but it what you stand for in your values. That is the way by focusing you know, there's certain things we're not re recommending a radical wholesale. We're never going to recruit him more. Of course, you still have to recruit. The difference, as Michael was saying, it is two things change. What we're doing, we still have to do. We still have to hire. We still have to train. We still have to discipline. We still have to do all these things. But it's the intent and your belief. Do you genuinely believe that your people and care about your people? It is a shocker how many hospitality operators are hired are running hospital and they do not, A, they don't want to be in hospital and they don't really don't like people. They are brilliant technicians, but they really don't care for people. They don't care for delighting the customer and making magic and, you know, turning a problem when the customer's complaining into something else. Like, no interest in that. How do you, we've starting to decode ways how you can hire those kind of people. But there's also, it's not just the intent. It is the how you do it needs to be different as well. And, you know, relying on the old way of those, can you, you know, interviewing, recruitment is a nice, easy one. Can you give me an example of when you led a team? Everybody can download those off Google and game the system. How can you do that differently? That is absolutely in tune with your culture, your values, your purpose, who you are as a leader, the kind of business that you've probably been dreaming that you want to set up. One class, one quick example. I'm conscious of everyone's time. Carlisle Bay opening 2002 into 2003. It is the sister hotel, was the sister hotel of One Old Witch in London. Gordon Campbell Gray is now under completely new, ma new management and ownership. Everyone said to this, just this gentleman, you cannot, you, there's no way you can open that kind of luxury, barefoot chic, this new concept in the Caribbean. Just can't pull it off. Maverick. So he said, yeah, there's a couple of things that he did. Absolutely marketing led. Condé Nast Traveler, Travel and Leisure, Tackler, all of these guys were all over this opening before we even opened. I was the opening HR director. Before we even finished building, it was scary. One thing, though, everything in the, in the experience of the customer, we want to, I want, he said, I want to, the staff to feel that so they can deliver that experience. So it was barefoot chic. It was the concept new. So guess what? We interviewed. We hired a catamaran. It's luxury. We hired a catamaran. And the interview, the shortlisting of the, of the team, you know, on a cat. So they got a sense of barefoot mm. sheep. We were still hiring. We're still recruiting, but they had a sense of it. Yeah. So these are the little things of the how you do it and where you can make that difference and dial it up and be absolutely unique in what you do. And hopefully you survive and you thrive. Yeah, and so, I guess we, we so I guess we can all think of examples of a customer-facing businesses that don't appear to like their customers very much, as well as those that clearly get it right <laughs> and do. But um, how about where we take this next? This, this research that you and Michael have been doing, where, where, where does that go next? How does this program continue to try and support the industry? Okay, I'm going to do a short term. I'm going to. Yeah. This is a request for Michael and I, and then we can do a bigger picture. Hmm. Anyone listening, either now, or you're reading the report separately. Or later on, we ask you that after you've read the report, within 24 hours, we have, we have popped in there some, our, we opened our vaults of our very best 
just maverick questions, truth-seeking questions, not your usual, for you to really help look at your business and look for opportunities of how you can take a little bit of that maverickness. You might not do wholesale, and that's not, nobody has the bandwidth right now, but where you can make those little changes within 24 hours as a leader, as an operator, answer those questions. Start, as Michael said, with purpose, clarity of purpose and direction. Answer those leader questions and then go through. Then we say, please, within 48 hours of that, share it with your team and get their input. That is the only way. It's not going to stick on your inbox, the report, another one. We all get so many. It's not going to sit with your notes that you haven't shared it. Share it with your team and get their input. Start that writing your new story and then pick one small thing out of that list that you can actually implement immediately. And then as you plan, we're heading into planning season, strategic planning season for 2023, and then what you can do from there. The bigger picture stuff, we've got stuff cooking up. I'm going to hand over to Michael, so other yeah. stuff that we can. <laughs> well, thank you. Right, Michael, let's pick that up then. So where does the hospitality community go next? Where do they find more guidance and resources beyond this report, beyond the, you know, the, the examples that are, you can, they can find on the Hospitality Mavericks podcasts to help them survive and thrive in this new era of hospitality, which is not going away. I mean, as we know, the, the storms keep coming. So, so what should people be doing? Where, where do they look for support? Well, I think Nicole had just underlined, I'll just, just reinforce that, like, you know, if you don't action on the insight you have, it's worth nothing. So if you want to become like them, you need to start operating on them. But start small and little by little come. And of course, there will be more interviews, as you say, on, on the Maverick. We'll share more things on the blog as mm -hmm. well. There'll be, there is already a curated reading list for the people who really want to go deep into some of the thinking on, on, the, on the Hospitality Mavericks website. And there's also interviews that has been transcribed. Some of these interviews transcribed. You can also find that, you know, if you would rather prefer to read some of that than listen to it. And then, of course, there's the weekly newsletter where, it's where we put stuff in every week where we get inspired from as we are looking at, at these people. Um, so, so, yeah, and then also we will, we will continue the journey. So I will say, what's this space? And also reach out to and you say, I really want to know more about that thing. There's already somebody done that. A stake in the outcome, Michael. Can you tell us more about that? Can you guide me in direction where I should learn more of that? Because that was where they were after they read the report. Um, so there is people already that is on this journey that is just trying to connect the dots. And I think it's not like, I don't think most businesses are starting cold on this. If you're already interested in this, you've already done some really great thing. Now you just need to put the picture together. So we're going to continue looking into the black box with our flashlight to lit it up so you can actually be able to build a business that's survived, but more important, thrives and make a positive impact on the world. Okay, great. Thanks. Well, I think we've got a few more minutes. So I'll, I'll just, um, uh, as we wind up, just ask a couple of questions that did come in. Um, one of the things, um, the report calls for giving employees more of a stake in the outcome of the business, which I think is something that can sometimes um, make employers very nervous. Is that just about equity or is there more to that than, than, than merely simply having a financial stake in the business, I suppose? Oh, you picked a real. <laughs> that one is the one that strikes me. It is. Me. I so think it's right. very easy to it say a stake in the business, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 And and we say first off is calm down, calm down. 
that is one way, you know, mm. and it's not necessarily in hospitality. You know, there are other businesses, you know, such as John Lewis, Peter Jones in the UK, mm. where the employees are actually, you know, uh, you know, shareholders or associates. BMW, I think, has that. So it, that is one way. But what we're saying also that stake in the in the outcome is, again, that intent is that how you um, look at your people and your people plan and strategy that they feel you put systems in place that they feel that they actually are are have a say in the business and also can actually and they're not having to wait for just to be a supervisor or a manager they actually you know they actually have a say in the business and that comes down to many things and I know Michael there's a, a, a favorite system that Michael likes I'll let him say what that is but just even in terms of uh, 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 something as simple as your the way you communicate with your em- employees that they actually it's not just a case of down from the top and it's ex- explained to them and this is exactly what we're doing and then you must go ahead at the end of the day whether many operators we often know that the real um getting a real sense of what is going right in your business and what is going wrong in your business is not from your employee engagement survey or your customer survey. That's important. But what it is, is those individuals who are on the front line delivering that experience and they see where the cracks are, depending on how they feel, if they feel connected to your purpose in your business and they feel valued, they'll tell you about those things or they won't. You want them to have created a space and a culture that they will tell you where the cracks are so you can do something about it. So that's one thing from from my side. Yeah, and I think I think I want to add to that. So actually, what a stake in the outcome is, what's starting to come clear to me is like also an o- ownership mentality that actually I am part of this tribe, and actually what I say, bring up, actually is going to be used. And actually, the funny thing when you start looking at these businesses that they don't, I think I said earlier, they don't perceive these people as employees. They want to make them to business people. And thereby you give people transferable skill if you learn them how to run business. And I can take my own example. It's always bad to take your own example. But I worked in an organization called McDonald's for 12 years. It was because they were able to transform me in to learn something about business. I have no doubt today. I understand totally why I stayed on. and had some great bosses as well that always helped. But the main thing was I was always developing into a better business. When you look at the cross of these singermen's, uh, restaurant group, oh, farmers, um, you can take them all. They are focusing on mm-hmm. how to learn their people. And then Nicole mentioned I'm a system I'm a very big fan of. I haven't got my head around it because I'm also on a learning journey. But it's called open book management. And that's where you open the books for the people. So you, to certain degrees, all have different levels. And we interview David. David from Neil's Yard Dairy uh, uh, in, in a conversation where he told how they opened up quite radical. Sean Eskinosi opened up even more radical to suppliers as well and actually share financial information so we can make better decisions in the front line because then you start understanding that you're not making the owner rich. They're not super rich. Actually, there's limited resources and we need to work together to get most out of them so we all have a job tomorrow and we all can make positive impact on the world. But you have to be willing and the whole open book management, which is a very, very deep and complex subject, which we'll probably also go more into and have a conversation with Ari about, is actually how you actually get people engaged in running the business. It's not just about sharing financial elements. How do you get people engaged in running a business better and thereby you get a stake in the outcome and you feel very different about your work as well. 
Okay, sure. Uh, okay, just as we wind up, then, if I could, um, um, obviously, we hope we know that our readers will be, and our listeners will be going away and downloading the report and digesting it in great detail. But <laughs> for those who are very busy, if they can just take one takeaway, one thing to put at the top of their to do list after um, hearing us today, um, what would what would it be, Michael, from you? If you, you need to be inspired if this works, go and listen to and put the uh, the speed of the uh, the audio on 1.5. And if you think it's very interesting, slow down again to me talking with Ari from Singermans. There's two interviews. Both of them could be very good, especially interview number one. That's probably where I would start because then you can start believing that this is possible. A business that exists more than 40 years have 16 different businesses in the same location doing different things and having revenues up to 75,000 and not now 600 employees and profitable as I know for today, but that can always change tomorrow. But as it is right now, I think it's one of the most inspiring businesses. And if, if you can see that they can do it, why wouldn't you be able to do it? And how about from you, Nicole, one, yeah. one, one must do for our audience. Um, whether you are an owner operator or whether you are um, uh, a head, a manager, a head of a business unit in a, in a traditional business, but you're wanting to try something different to elevate your team, I would say, give you, as a leader, give yourself the gift of time. Find it, sneak it, hide under the bed. I don't know what it is. Whatever you have to do just to give yourself. We're all crazy. We're paddling so fast. We're trying to outfire. Just give yourself the gift of time to just to reflect one piece can't get near all the others just look at the purpose clarity of purpose and direction and just give yourself the gift of time just to ask ask and answer honestly you don't have to share it to start with those questions and use that time and then go from there give yourself the gift of time to create some bandwidth so you can step out of your business the you know the the, the hecticness of it and then so you can get a fresher view so you can get back in there. We need our hospitality businesses, not just UK or Europe, but globally. It is such a huge source of income, revenue, GDP, jobs, livelihoods. Just our industry needs to survive and continue, but we need to change. Thank you. Thank you both today. Um, OK, so I'd just like to remind um, our audience that the um, the report we've been talking about today, The Six Tenants of Agile Hospitality, is available to download from the Bizimthi website. I want to thank on behalf of all our listeners, um, both Michael and Nicole. So thank you very much for your time. I think it's been really, really useful and very interesting insight. And both um, Bizimthi and Hospitality Mavericks have more insight, more things for you to look at. So thank you very much, everyone, for being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in to this conversation. Now it's time for you to take your own action and download the free white paper and dive into the reflection question after each chapter. To pick more of Nicole's great thinking, tune in to episode number 77 on leading with care. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies and tools to help leaders become better every day. Check them out at bizsimply.com or via their social at bizsimply or bizsimplyhq. And you can also email them directly at podcast at bizsimply.com. A huge thank you to Fina Charlson, the show producer and editor from the Podcast Collective. I really appreciate that you're listening in. So if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share, rate, review or subscribe to one of our channels, which all can be done via the website hospitalitymavericks.com. 
If you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or my email, michael at hospitalitymavericks.com. Find out more about us and subscribe to the weekly newsletter, Maverick Talk, via hospitalitymavericks.com. And remember to get your free version of the white paper, Six Tenants of Agile Hospitality. Six Tenants, every leader needs to survive and thrive in the new era of hospitality. Click the link in the show notes. I'm Michael Tingser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick Podcast Show. Be Maverick!